Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Well, on this Independence Day... When we celebrate our God-given liberty, here's the, here's the special surprise. Uh, I'm going to share with you for a few minutes uh, on this subject of worship, and then Chrissy, our worship director, is going to take the rest of the message today. And that girl can preach, so um, we're going to talk a little bit about how we worship and what, uh, what worship looks like, what freedom in worship specifically looks like. And I just want to begin by talking about this practice, this habit, or this ritual of, of singing together, of worship in song, in uh, music. And I recognize that churches throughout the United States, especially in the last 50, 60 years, have often struggled around, you know, our gathered music, our, our what we call corporate worship, our singing uh, together. And so I'm not actually going to dwell on style today because it's not really the point of what we're doing. We're talking about the kind of the nuts and bolts of worship and, and how we do that. That said, music is really a function of our soul and spirit. There's something uh, that happens with music that's somehow separated uh, from our intellect in a way. Now, not that we sing mindlessly, obviously, we sing uh, fully engaged with our minds, but there's sort of a, uh, you know, a left brain, right brain uh, dichotomy when we sing. And so that soul and spirit nature of music is what helps us connect with God, connect with the divine, uh, connect with the Holy Spirit's presence in in our singing together. And, you know, we... we um, we would say it's a spiritual activity. There's a reason why even the devil will use music for, obviously, for evil, but because it's, it's a spiritual activity. It's a spiritual function to sing, to, you know, kind of bring our, our soul and spirit into the, the practice, in our case, of worship. And so the point I really just want to leave with you before I have Christy kind of take over is that worship through music is essential for the believer. Worship through music is essential for the believer. It's not simply like, well, it's good for people who can sing or people who like music can do that. But I don't really like music. Uh, music, singing together, lifting our voices together is essential for the believer and has been a practice of God's people forever. That's how it's always been. We have plenty of uh, testimony through the Old Testament about God's people doing that. Now, the New Testament really says surprisingly little about how we worship together, how we sing together. We've got examples of prayer. and We've got, you know, obviously lots of teaching in the New Testament. We don't have very many places that talk about the singing element, the corporate kind of praise together of God's, of God's people, certainly in the early church. Uh, we do know, however, that they sang together. One example would be in Acts chapter 16 as a Paul and his, his partner Silas have been uh, arrested and tortured for for preaching the gospel. They're in jail, it says, and it says they're you know it's midnight and they are singing praise to God. They're worshiping in jail. They're they're in rough shape, but they're praising God in that moment. 
And you'll often hear stories about people who have suffered for their faith. And one of the things that kind of really keeps them in relationship with the Lord is music and being able to sing praise. By the way, if you can't sing like you can't really carry a tune, um, that's not what we're talking about. Some of you get to make a joyful noise. That's also biblical, right? And God's hearing the, the music of your heart more than the music of your voice. Some of us, some people we know, sing beautifully. And we're like, oh, it's so amazing. I wish I could sing like that. But God wants you to express what he's given you. And, uh, yeah, we'll tell you. I don't know. There's more I could go on, but I'll leave it at that. So let's go to the word and see what the word does have to say. Ephesians chapter 5, picking up at verse 15. There's a parallel passage in Colossians that I won't read today, but Colossians 3 says almost the identical thing. But today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15. I'm going to read five, six verses here for you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to this Ephesian church, this church that had come out of deep pagan worship and, and, and you know, a, a wealthy place, a big city. And, and here's what he is saying to these believers that have really um, gotten the gotten the gospel Ephesians 5.15 says this, so care, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here comes singing psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. There's the, there's the heart response piece. The music from your heart. Uh, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, the parallel passage that says the same thing as Ephesians 3.16. In order for us to glorify God, to worship God... We, um, we lift our voices. We, it's a spoken thing. It's, it's not just internal. It's not just silent, but we actually declare his praise. We actually speak it out. And it's, it's remarkable. We've, you know, we've come onto this subject a, a bunch lately about this sort of recalibrating effect of worship, how it brings us back into alignment, uh, at a heart level. But in this passage, you know, not only do we worship to glorify God, but there's two things I just want to draw your attention to. Worship does first; it helps us give thanks to God. It's just really it's packed here with with thankfulness, and so when we sing together, it helps me to be thankful. It helps me to to acknowledge all that God has done in my life, in the world, in your lives, all around us. And so, first, it helps us give thanks, and secondly, singing together helps us equip each other. For a life of following Jesus. It helps prepare us to follow Jesus. That's what singing together does. And so, you know, we would say this. Always begin a conversation with God in praise. With thankfulness. God, we just, we, 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 I just thank, you know, how often do you start a, a prayer? Dear God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for all that you've provided for us today. We begin with thankfulness. We begin our conversations with God in praise. Now, if that's as far as you ever got, that's good enough. If all you ever did was thank the Lord and praise him and you never got to your requests, that would be okay. If all you ever did was make requests and never thanked, that would not be okay. 
Begin with thankfulness and the rest will flow. You may find that it's not even necessary. But begin with thankfulness and, and praise. Worship really helps us wrap everything with thankfulness. But the second piece about equipping one another, and I think we often miss this, is that my participation in worship is maybe 25% for me and 75% for the people around me. I think we learned with COVID this year and the blessing of technology and welcome to our friends who are joining us online even right now. Uh, you know, we've been able to stay connected because of technology. But I'll tell you, friends, when you're watching online, we miss hearing your voices. And you miss the, the benefit of us being together. And, and, and so, obviously, it's 100% for God's glory. But really, it's my being here is more for the people around me than it is just for myself. Now, I benefit immensely from being here. But, but I, I come to serve and to be a part of the body for the benefit of others. And because we live in a consumer culture, we're sort of conditioned to, to buy, to grab and take and whatever. Um, it's a little bit counterintuitive to say that I'm here for the benefit of others. Uh, but remember, if, if Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 said, let us not neglect uh, our meeting together as some people to do, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The, the habit of gathering together is an act of encouraging the people around you. It's for each other's benefit. And so true worship is a sacrifice. And sacrifice is always a posture of giving rather than a posture of receiving. And, and we give to God uh, in, in, you know, in our worship. And we give to others in our, in our praise, even though we, we benefit. All right. So before I bring this back to Christy, let me just finish by talking about the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs pieces. Ephesians 5. 18 says, right, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in your hearts to the Lord. The outflow of a spirit-filled life is praise. The outflow of a spirit-filled life is worship, right, and singing. So what are these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Really simple. A psalm is really a scripture-based or uh, a, a personal song of praise to God. So you, you could say it's, um, it's songs about God, it's songs to God, but it's our praise and very often rooted in scripture. So, uh, an example would be, you know, what a beautiful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high, right? Those are direct references to scripture or great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, your mercies I see. That's a, that's a psalm type of song because it's songs about God. It's rooted in scripture. And, and so that's a psalm. A hymn, we get confused a little bit because we have these books called hymn books. Uh, next Sunday night, we're going to pull up the hymn books. You think, well, if it's in the book, it's a hymn. But in that book, there are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. A hymn is not a style. A hymn is the content. And a hymn is really a more of a doctrine song, a theology song, a teaching song, something that helps us understand. So one we sing is King of Kings, um, that, that declares about what's happening, you know, that the church has risen, that um, uh, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. It's teaching truth about who God is. That's a hymn. A spiritual song is either that spontaneous response or that, um, you know, a, a testimony type song. And that would be a spiritual song and and praise and thankfulness and declaration and my response most of what we sang this morning were spiritual songs songs of testimony and response and very often can be um, uh, 
uh, spontaneous. Sometimes Christy will lead us in that. All right, so all that said, how do we make this practical? And Christy is going to help us with that at this point. Christy, why don't you come on up? Well, welcome. Thanks for um, allowing me to do this. Brian, this is an incredible honoring and exciting opportunity. And so uh, this is my first time preaching. I'm trying not to freak out about it, but just bear with me. It's really exciting. So Pastor Brian already talked a little bit about how worship is an outflow, a, a byproduct, something that comes from something that's happened before. And so I wanted to start there, that we worship out of what God has done. Not just that he died on the cross for us, but what he means to our personal lives, the ways that he has helped us, the ways that he has rescued us, that he's healed us from our hurts, our pains, our sins, our struggles. And so uh, my voice is already almost gone. We're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 through 18, and it's going to tell us what we need to do and what happens when we do it in worship. So 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So today I wanted to spend some time talking about what does it actually mean to turn to God? And you're probably thinking, that's literally what we do. We're Christians. We have many of us grown up in church. But I think sometimes it's easy for us to think turning to God only looks like believing in him, believing in the Trinity, believing in Jesus for salvation, being a part of a community of believers being kind and loving to the people around us. And those are things that come from turning our lives to God. But it's also so much more personal, like Pastor Brian said. It's so much more intimate what happens when we turn to God. See, in my life, I know that I'm not perfect. No one in this room is perfect. And... We shouldn't dwell on the ways that we're imperfect. We shouldn't beat ourselves up for that. But if we don't acknowledge our humanity, if we don't acknowledge the places where we need to surrender to God, then we don't really need him, or at least we don't see that we need him. And so it's so important for us to kind of do self-inventory throughout our lives. It never stops. It's very frustrating. But we continually have to reevaluate where are we at How's my relationship with God? How's my relationship with my spouse or my kids? Um, how am I feeling? I know that's a scary word. But if we don't evaluate those things, and we don't really know how, we, how we're doing, what God wants to do in our lives, we don't experience the process of surrender, which when we surrender, that's when God shows himself to us in mighty ways. So I know in my life, that off and on I've struggled with anxiety and depression. I know that I tend to want to control, that I can be sharp with my words. I know that since I was 11 years old, I've struggled with 
a an addiction, and I'd love to sit down and have coffee and talk to you about it, but just something that came up through a minor trauma in my life that then produced this kind of habit that became an addiction. It's something that I've struggled with for a really long time. And uh, I remember a time on a Sunday morning when I had spent the previous two weeks um, struggling again with this addiction, and I hadn't yet turned it over to God. I was hanging on to it. I was ignoring it. I was pretending it wasn't that big of a deal because it had been worse before. I was ashamed. Um, and so just kind of keeping myself numb. And then Sunday morning comes around and all of a sudden I moved to phase two of uh, feeling unworthy, feeling like, how am I going to worship with freedom? How am I going to lead people to worship with freedom when I'm doing this again? What's going on? I'm tired of this. But I didn't say that. So so that morning, Janice, I asked her to pray for me. And she, I, I can still remember the look in her eyes. She's like, what is going on with you? You've got a heaviness in your eyes. You're carrying stuff that you're not supposed to be. And so she prayed for me. I said all the right words during the prayer. But I didn't allow myself to really express to God where I was at, that I was disappointed in myself. How could he let me experience this again? And so it wasn't until later on that I had realized that all I needed to do was to turn to God, that it wasn't simply believing in God or coming to church or being a nice, good, moral person, but that it was about more. It was about me letting him into the deepest parts of my life. To know what to do with that parenting situation. To know what to do with that anxiety when it comes up. And so today I want to talk about three steps that will cultivate organic worship. Because again, it's this idea that we're worshiping out of who God is and what he's done for us. And let me say that there are times when we're going to worship out of obedience. We're not feeling it. There's going to be times when we've given those things over to him, but for some reason it just still feels weighty. It just feels like we can't break through. We can't find freedom. And those times are okay. Those are just times of pure obedience and faithfulness. But much of the time what God is calling us into is to abide in him. And as we do that, we're able to then worship him out of an abundance. Coming back to this verse one more time, it says, it starts with, as they turn to the Lord, for those who turn to the Lord. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. He's ahead of it. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, so this is how the verse starts. When you turn to the Lord, all of these things. So what's the first thing? The veil is taken away. And we see in the verse previous that what it's referring to referring to when it talks about the veil is the veil covers our minds and our hearts it keeps us from seeing and reflecting the glory of god so i'm getting ahead of myself so the veil is taken away when we turn to him the spirit now has the ability the freedom to work in and through our lives this is where his transforming work takes place where the spirit is, there's freedom. So now we can experience the freedom that comes from God. Those of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And as I was preparing for this, I'm thinking, if someone asked me, what am I doing during the worship through music time? I'm reflecting the glory of God. 
But if I can't see it because I push my problems down or if I can't see it because I beat myself up and try to earn my salvation, I'm not really seeing the glory of God. And so what I'm reflecting is probably just some more me trying to push through this worship time or me trying to connect, but it's not there because I haven't really experienced the kindness of God, the present presence of God. That time when, even though I reached out to friends because I was struggling, only God could really provide the presence that I needed, the care that I needed, the I'm here for you, I see you and I love you that I needed. And we've all hopefully experienced those times when we can honestly say it was only him that got me through. It was only him that made a way. So coming back to these three steps to cultivate worship. The first one is to recognize our humanity. Again, not for the purpose of then going on and pretending like things are fine. Certainly not for the purpose of beating ourselves up. I'm good at this one. I'm good at both of them, to be honest. <laughs> I just bounce back and forth and then try to land on the third point. But, yeah, that we recognize our humanity for the purpose of giving it over to him. Because that's the gospel story. That's the gospel truth. We need him. The second point is that we respond with surrender. we got to give it to him. Sometimes it's daily. Sometimes you give it to him once and you feel like, He's really done a work and you're moving on. But sometimes it's daily. Sometimes it's moment by moment that you have to hand over that fear. You have to hand over that control that maybe you have an anger issue that rises up within you. And thirdly, we have to receive his power. Or I should say we get to receive his power. Because it's not until we let him in to the closet, the bedroom, the kitchen, the refrigerator, whatever of our lives that we then get to experience who he is, his kindness, his goodness, his provision, the clarity that he brings. Recognize our humanity, respond with surrender and receive all that he is. See, God sees us. He sees everything about us. We know this. Sometimes it scares us. But we also know, at least here, that he loves us unconditionally, we're told. It's not until we give our hearts to him, that we give our minds, we give every part of us, our struggles to him, that we actually get to test and prove that his love is, in fact, unchanging, complete, perfect. He sees our past, present, and future. He's not going anywhere. His love never changes. And there's something profound that happens when we allow him to see us. When our wills finally say yes to him. Worship is a byproduct of transparency, of connection with God. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to sing another song. And really this song is just saying... I'm not going to hold on to this stuff anymore. I've got to let it go. I've got to give it to you. I've got to run to the Father because it's too heavy. It's too much. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of 
going through the motions day to day, showing up, maybe at work, at church, but not really feeling a sense of purpose, not really feeling the why of your life, what you're supposed to be doing. And so wherever you are, this is for me too. It's time to say what we need to say to God. It's time to tell him what we actually think, what we actually feel. He can handle it all. It's time to have our moment of vulnerability so that we can see him. Then we can reflect his glory through worship in the music context and through worship in every context that there is. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.